Hey, what's going on? You're listening to Blissful Prospecting. Good to have you here. My name's Jason Bay. You can call me J-Bay. And this podcast is for reps and sales teams who love landing big meetings with prospects, but hate spending hours writing hundreds of cold emails that never get responses. So if that's ever happened to you, you're definitely in the right place. Super excited for our guest today, David Silverstein and Randy Gabralt. Hope I'm pronouncing your name right, Randy. But they wrote a really good book about how to prospect to IT executives, of which Randy is one himself. So let's get to the episode. The elusive IT executive. So if you're listening to this and you've ever you know, been tasked with prospecting or selling into a technical role, you know, some role that falls under you know, a chief information officer, you know, or a chief technology officer or a chief product officer. There's a lot of stereotypes about these folks, right? Oh, they don't respond to emails. They don't pick up the phone. They don't use LinkedIn. There's a lot of stuff like that going on. So what I thought I would do is get a couple people on that have either sold a lot to these folks or are them themselves and have written a book about it. So that's exactly what David and Randy have done. Uh, they wrote a book called No, I Don't Have 15 Minutes to Chat. And it's really interesting. What you're about to hear is how David and Randy met. So Randy was someone that was on the receiving end of David's selling skills, <laughs> right? So before David uh, became a sales leader, he sold two people exactly like Randy, CIOs. And he did such a good job that they actually ended up becoming friends and putting together resources to help other people do this in a better way. So Randy, he's the guy with IT experience. David's the guy that's been selling to these folks. And this is just a killer episode. There's tons of really good stuff in here in terms of from the prospect's perspective and from the selling perspective, where you might be going wrong with these people, how you should talk to their assistants, the types of IT roles out there, how to engage with them, what works on Randy, what hasn't worked on Randy, how David teaches his team, you know, to prospect smarter into these IT roles. I mean, this this one is just filled with like a ton of goodies. I'd recommend checking out their book. I read it, I think, in maybe about three or four hours. Really insightful stuff with really good short bite-sized takeaways. It's called No, I Don't Have 15 Minutes to Chat. Make sure to check that out. Without further ado, let's get to the episode today. So I'm pretty excited for this conversation. I was telling you to, you know, before we hit record, just so everyone else has some context. I've never gotten to, outside of a consulting engagement, I'll interview my customers' customers. I've never gotten to do it in this form where I could, you know, kind of pick a prospect, someone that is on the receiving end of a lot of cold outreach, pick their brain, <laughs> you know, for close to an hour. So I'm super excited for this, but I think a good place to start is, David, Randy, how did you two meet? And where did this idea for writing this book come from? <laughs> and like, where where do we get started here? Well, I was going to say, David has been sort of professionally engaged me for at least probably close to 20 years in terms of the work that he's done, basically wearing the jersey of some big tech brands, you know, in his history. And David just, you know, from the standpoint, David was always a differentiated sort of leader in sales, not from the standpoint of when I'm referring to like, you know, he's the guy who beat his quota by 10x or whatever. But what David sort of, he always formed a relationship and it never felt like he was looking for the sale. So there's something differentiated. And then as a CIO, 
when you interact with other CIOs, and like, oh yeah, Dave's my rep, great guy, great guy. It's sort of like you sort of have this sort of recognition and it becomes self-reinforcing in a way that like there's something unique about Dave in his professional capacity. So, you know, we've known each other for a number of years and um, I started sharing with David sort of like these experiences I had as the CIO with people trying to reach me. And it was just sort of like both hilarious and sad and exhausting sort of all at the same time. And that sort of germinated this sort of like, hey, we think there's a kind of a story to sell here because like, you know, I'm going through the pain of receiving all these and it's got to be painful for the people on the other side to go through this. So that's kind of my lens on it. But Dave, you know, you've got your side of this as well. Yeah, uh, yeah Randy summed it up pretty well, but I, you know, we've known each other for a long time. And I think at a lunch one day, Randy pulled out his phone and we were he was just talking about bad salespeople, essentially. And he said, you got to listen to this recording. And I remembered it was like a three minute voicemail, right? To the CIO of a major company, which Randy was prior to where he is now. And we just kind of chuckled and we said, God, we got to help these people somehow, some way. So that turned into a blog initially that we, you know, we had up for about seven years or so. Just, we formed kind of a, a network of folks, CIO types, that would write about helping salespeople, what they didn't like about salespeople, what they could do better, et cetera, et cetera. So that's how the blog started, you know, with about seven folks on it in technology leadership positions. And then somebody said to me one day, like, you should write a book, like just turn it into a book. And I said, yeah, you know what? That would be pretty cool. So, you know, we started that process, that journey, I guess, I don't know, it's been it took about two years to complete. So we started about three years ago and the book's been out for, you know, we released the book right when COVID started. So that's how it uh, kind of evolved, Jason. And it's been fun. It's, it, you know, a lot of people are, seem to be, we didn't think anything was going to come of it. We just want to start something and finish it, but it's actually turned into, it seems to be a beneficial tool for a lot of people. So we're excited about that. The power of what you can accomplish on nights and weekends, but that's also why it took us two years. <laughs> exactly. Kind of do the journey because it was night and weekend work. Yeah, I uh, yeah, I love the book. I read through it. I mean, I think I read through it in about a day, actually. Yeah, David, I wanted to ask you at the beginning of your sales journey, was there a learning curve for you in learning how oh to interact with CIOs? Like, what are do you have any horror stories for us? Oh, <laughs> uh, everything in the book I did. You know, everything that I say not to do, I did. Uh-huh. Right, I learned along the way. So, I was fortunate enough. You know, my book. I've been doing this for twenty five years, I guess, at this point, and. I tell people like this is a kind of a side note, not to burn bridges, right? Because you're gonna. You know, I started dealing with people who were in not in such leadership positions like Randy, but they were managers or they were admins, and they worked their way up over the 20 year period to be the CIOs. So I've been able to maintain those friendships, and then all of a sudden, some of these folks are in positions of power, and they're going like, "David, I you've been with me for the long haul. I'm going to work with you. I want to work with you." And I've been fortunate enough in the, the several jobs that I've had to take those relationships with me. I always tell reps. Don't burn any bridges, right? Don't do anything that you think is just coming off the wrong way because you know what? You're not going to beat that company forever. You're going to want to sell this person something else somewhere down the line. And the average person changes jobs, especially in sales, at least eight times. So you want to be able to move those forward. And at one job, you might not be able to sell them something, but stick in there. The next job may make sense. So I have, Jason, I could, I have so many horror stories that, you know, this monitor would blow up. But um, I was able to learn from these folks along the way, like just do it the right way and be human, right? I, I, I just spoke to somebody that, that said that and it kind of resonated. That's what I've tried to be just along the way, not always trying to sell something. It's a marathon. Be patient and good things will come. 
So that's my pontification for the moment. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because the relationship piece, I mean, you two getting to collaborate is major, major evidence of that. Like, think about right. if you're listening to this, have you ever had a relationship with a client that was so good that you guys would consider creating content together and then promoting it? You know, like, that's pretty cool. Um, Randy, you mentioned something about relationship that really stuck out to me. I think this is kind of a good place to lay kind of the foundation for some of the more tactical stuff. How does a salesperson, for you at least, that's prospecting to you, you don't even know who this person what are some of the do's and don'ts of things that you look at when someone's prospecting to you, just trying to get a meeting with you that shows, hey, this person's in it for the long haul in a relationship versus something they just want to sell me some stuff? Like, what, what are some of the things that stick out to you? Well, first, don't begin with a lie, which is so frequent. It's amazing. And that's either in, you know, kind of the way you try to connect me to get through sort of the gatekeepers and things like that, shared stories of, and even in the book, indicating that like folks have called, indicating that they're you know uh, you know Ted Kennedy, <laughs> things like that. Other folks uh, demanding that they speak with me. They're my cousin. So really underhanded tactics. Which how do you even go about thinking that if I'm going to begin with that approach, someone's going to want to do business with me? <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, starting out with zero integrity means zero integrity. So you know just starting out with that honesty, which is you know declaring what your role is declaring what your purpose is in an honest way will garner an honest reaction, which is, I understand. And you know what? I'm either interested or not interested. Or, you know, two years from now, because we've, you know, we have to depreciate these assets that were deployed and we'll evaluate new product in the marketplace as we reach an endpoint. So, and, you know, I'm happy to keep someone who's honest with me in mind at that point. But I think at the same time, sales reps, may not always have sort of a runway to sit here and wait for three minutes or three years because, you know, as Dave would share, right, they're on a go sell, 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 sell. And that comes through from that standpoint. So the second is this honesty about what you do and don't sort of, don't sit here and frame out that we do everything and we are the greatest at doing everything that we do and we can do it all for you. And so a lot of folks try to get in with like, we do everything. And then last, this interestingly, I'll just share with you just yesterday, you know, I get 50 to 100 new companies a week. I get tons of uh, messages every day, but I get this, I'll get the email, I'll get the phone message, and I'll get the LinkedIn all within 10 minutes of each other. The one saying, I'm emailing you to let you know I voicemailed you. I've left you a vo on my voicemail. I'm letting you know I emailed you. So there's an absurdity. And then there's this last piece, which I find humorous. I'm just going to read to you what I got yesterday around this sort of funny, I'll just sort of truncate, but someone reaching out saying their chief product officer wants to talk with digital health leaders about how health information can be used in service offerings, you know, and what's sort of funny says, would you be willing to spend 30 minutes on a call to share a provider perspective? To be clear, this is not NOT in capitals, a sales ask, no hidden agenda here. This is truly an opportunity to help inform our product roadmap. So come on. This is absurd. So you've gone to market already, but you don't have a product roadmap already. And now you want to generically talk to folks like me to inform your roadmap, but no sales. You want 30 minutes of my time to inform you. And of course, at the end of that, it's going to result in, hey, we hear there's seven or eight opportunities in what you said. How about we follow up on those? So, and I mean, it's just absurdity. So I'll get this 10, 20 times a day, this exact stuff. So. That's, you know, hopefully there's some nuggets in that. 
I mean, there's so many different directions I want to take this, but uh, David, yeah. I'm curious for you, how do you both like when you were a rep and then leading, you know, teams, how do you get like, what's that mindset, the relationship mindset? Like, what are you thinking when you reach out to someone like Randy? Like, what's the intention, I guess? And I talk about intentions a lot. And I think they're, I think intentions are very underrated because like your intention kind of drives the communication, the tonality of how you reach out to somebody. I'm just curious, David, well, how do you think about the relationship component being on the sales side? Yeah, I mean, you got to remember, right? So everybody always thinks, at least in the IT world where I'm coming from, they, they have to get to the CIO, right? And guess what? The CIO could give two care or less what storage product you're buying, what software you're buying, you know, what what email you're using, they're worried about bringing bottom line to the business, right? In Randy's case, right? These are business people. They hire technologists around them to make those decisions. So if you really want to talk to that CIO, you better do your damn homework. You better know that industry. You better know some of the terms because you have no chance. You have no chance to get to somebody like Randy unless the CEO gets a call from his brother and says, hey, can you introduce me to Randy, right? And then Randy says, oh God, I have to take this great because the CEO is making me do it. That pisses him off, number one. So don't do that tactic. That's another one that bothers these folks more than anything. But when you do get an opportunity, you have to really, it's got to be a business discussion, right? It's not a technology discussion. It's like not the cliche of what keeps you up at night, right? Everybody, you know, that's an overused term, but how can I come to something with Randy that's going to help the business, right? And help him succeed as a leader of the company, right? Not, hey, you, if you buy my storage or you buy my networking gear, you're going to be a hero. They don't give two craps about that, right? That's why Randy has a team around him, right? So it's really the homework aspect and that when you get that five minutes or that email that you're trying to send to capture his attention, right, that he gets so many of, it's got to be something that's top of mind, something that's industry standard, something that's meaningful to me right now, maybe something that the competition is doing in his space that might, oh, yeah, that, that's interesting that that hospital is doing something similar to what we're trying to accomplish. So it's just don't go in there and talk. He does not, they do not, men and women in these positions don't care about IT, the ones that are certainly in the bigger companies. They care about the business. So make sure you do your homework around that piece of it. And if you talk to any people that I've interviewed for the book, it's all about doing your homework, right? So, you know, I tell the reps to spend a lot of time doing that. There's so much information out there now, there's no excuse, right? Back in the day when I didn't have anything, when I had uh, my Palm Trio and I had my contact in there, I didn't, you know, I had to go to an encyclopedia to find out information, right? Now the, it's everywhere. You know, there's no excuse as far as I'm concerned. So don't be lazy. Don't be worrying about now, now, now. Marinate on it. Do your homework. Use the relationships that you have. Use the networking piece of it and get to that person in a meaningful way. I hope that answers your question. Well, yeah, that's really big because like you put a, and this is kind of a good segue into what I wanted to ask you, Randy, about what you care about. And it's that business thing that you emphasize so much there, David. And that's the thing I see a lot in the messaging of the companies that I work with is this, we're this company and we have this thing and it's really great. And I want to tell you about it. That's the slant of the approach. And there isn't really any, you know, I think you might care about this for this reason. That's like big picture with the business. It is a very tech focused, here's what our product does kind of thing. So like, if we kind of look at that piece, Randy, 
like this might be really counterintuitive to what most people think. So you care about adding to the bottom line. People that haven't been in your position or sold too much of them or have much experience might not be thinking about that at all. <laughs> you know, so like what are to give people some insights into like what a you know, CIO, CTO, anyone in that like kind of technical type of role, like what do folks like you care about? Like what are your priorities at any given time? Like what are the two or three things that you care about most? Well, and this goes across any CIO, any industry. And at our core, right, we're enablers of the organization's strategy and we're shapers of the organization's strategy. And as you think about the problems that we're working on and solving are really aligned with exactly where is the organization going? What are our key objectives, our goals, our strategic thesis? And I often say there's not one goal, not one target, not one question, not one objective, not one question that can be answered without information technology. And so we're in this role of ensuring that we are adding the right capabilities to the organization in order to execute on those things. And so I spent a lot of time, right, what's deeply understanding and shaping where we're going as an organization, and then what capabilities are we going to have to produce to get the, the outcomes that we want? And then as a result of that, what technologies will we have to implement in order to deliver those sorts of things? And building a strategic roadmap to do that. And then those roadmaps, right, IT, uh, there's significant investments that are made. So then building the business case behind those investments, and then preparing to communicate those those plans and those strategies with your peer group to garner the, right, the support so they all understand how that work is aligned, getting that support then at a board level, and then operationally pulling that stuff together and making sure it can basically be delivered, executed on, and the like. So, I mean, Dave's right. When it comes to storage system A or B, you know, I fundamentally don't care. What I care is that does it meet the need that we specified in support of the larger strategy? And if you can't have that conversation to understand also, you know, there may be a, an emerging technology, but what people all, what they miss fundamentally is they automatically think that a better technology means we will act right away to implement a better technology. And that doesn't make sense. It has to align with the business case. So just because you have a system X that can back up 2X faster doesn't mean anything. It depends on how does that fit in my problem set how it aligns with my objectives, my strategies, and the like. And we spend a lot of time and a lot of groundwork working in that sort of space, trying to solve for that set of problems. And in the end, the technologists who say, right, this is the capability we need. Now go bring back a roadmap that helps us understand what technologies we're going to have to implement to get there. And the number of people don't even understand the sort of the roles that we're not necessarily making by default on a day-by-day -day basis, the technology decision, we're making the business decision and then turning around to get the technology that supports that business decision. Interesting. Jason, if I may add on to that real quick, I was going to say- Yeah, go ahead, David. So a lot of folks go to these companies and like Randy said prior, they, now, 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 where's the sale, where's the sale? Go somewhere that understands that selling to these enterprise accounts, certainly like of Randy's scale, it's a journey. It's a six months to a two-year sales cycle. And if you're with a company that doesn't understand that, get the hell out because they just don't get it, right? It takes a lot of time. And Randy just described the process that he has to go through to make a major you know, technology shift potentially, right? It takes a while. So hopefully you're with a company that gets that and understands that. 
and I try as a sales leader now, I do get that, right? So I'm a little more patient than I would be back in the day, right? Because now I understand the journey that it takes to be successful selling to the enterprise. Yeah, that relationship component and just like the patience, I think is, I mean, I even see that with, you know, companies I work with that sell into mid-market, yep. you know, it's still <laughs> you to a person that uh, works at a company with a thousand employees. I mean, there's, <laughs> you know, stuff don't happen with a snap of a finger, you know? I love this enablers and shapers, you know, kind of way that you describe this. And it's like, hey, technology just enables the business's objectives. And it's like looking at like, what are the business objectives and how does the technology fit into this? And do you have an example that you could share of something, Randy, that like, hey, here was a business objective and like, here is something that I was having problems with that this salesperson mentioned maybe that got my attention and maybe want to talk to them. Do you have something like that, either David or Randy, actually? I mean, that like, just so people can hear an example of like what that is and get that connection. So I'll start out with this key question around, do you understand what's relevant to me and understand as Dave framed out, you need to understand the industry at this given sort of time. So there's a, there's a time and context nature of the problems that the industry is trying to solve. And then where are we inside the industry? Are we a leader in terms of the space or do we want to be a fast follower, right? Because it doesn't always make sense to be the lead in every scenario. Sometimes it makes sense to be a fast follower. And because you can, maybe you can move yourself into that strategic position at a lower cost with less friction. So around that, think about this. If you ever, you know, whatever, you turn on the news or whatever, and there's car advertisements and after one after another, and they're noise. But the moment you become the point at which you enter the car market, suddenly those ads, you're tuned into the frequency and you're hearing them from that standpoint. Folks trying to come into the industry need to understand, like, what are we tuned into to that particular frequency? So let's say for, uh, you know, an example uh, is, you know, the world of RPA. You know, as RPA was emerging and like, right, we become tuned in as the market begins to mature. And um, in my case, had some really intelligent organizations that had sort of invested in building a strategy, how to engage, how to actually go about building sort of what I'll call kind of micro solutions in their space to come to the healthcare marketplace. So that company, right, they brought in healthcare expertise, you know, they hired that capability and so they kind of built a product platform that was resonant for me. So when they introduce it, they can say, you know, we know you're working on problem one, two, and three are likely, you know, three of your top five problems. We built a product that you can deploy. It's fully mechanized. It can do what you need to do. And we are willing to actually go at risk with you and demonstrate if you make an investment in the pilot and it yields, that's, you know, then we'll have an expectation to go forward. If it doesn't, we'll underwrite the resources that you put out. And so that was a really smart approach, understood the issues, understood where my issues were at this time that were likely on my agenda. And so I was tuned in and then their approach made sense in the way they, the, the way they reached out to connect in that sense. So around that, you know, I felt a deeper comfort to sort of then advance the conversation from that perspective. There's not a lot of examples like that to pull out and say that they're done right from that standpoint. So if you had to kind of backtrack, if you could remember and take us back to, I start getting emails and calls from these folks. What was the thing then that was like, ah, there might, yeah, so there might be something here. In this case, there's a couple of things that this company did that made that was sort of savvy from that standpoint, which is 
they had started sort of creating brand awareness in the spaces where CIOs and healthcare CIOs sort of listen for kind of what's happening in the industry. So they began obviously investing, you know, whatever, you know, marketing dollars in that space. Then in simple things like, you know, out in the, the LinkedIn universe and the like, putting forth some white papers and those sorts of things and strategically place those. And then third is they work through a referral network, which is, you know, CIO so-and-so knows so-and-so. And as they garnered a satisfied customer or they had built trust, they had asked for that support to basically be introduced to others. So in that case, I took a warm handoff from someone that I would listen to or trust as a fellow CIO and basically offered to listen. So I was willing to open up and give my time. It's about me taking the risk of investing my time in doing that. And in that case, right, that's sort of a, a step where I'm willing to take that 15 minutes to listen to the opportunity. But you also need to have the respect, which is if it isn't on my radar now, doesn't mean it's, it may be on my radar in six months, but it's not my priority right now because maybe I have a go live that's slated for 90 days out and my capacity is on that. So it means basically sort of throttling your approach and your readiness based on what my response is to check in with me in six months. And, you know, a problem set, you know, I, I have folks that will literally email me every Monday morning, you know, without any thought around, around it. So that's what I'll call kind of, I guess, kind of the mature approach in the industry versus the number of examples we shared, which is sort of the opposite end, which is the immature approach. Jason, I was going to just intervene there and say, you know, my number one success has been the referral network, right? So, and reps don't ask, I don't understand it, right? If you've done good for somebody in a leadership position, it's sort of like the, you know, when I, I think my first job, I sold insurance and the number one thing they would ask after you leave the, the house or whatever, hey, do you have three friends that you might be able to refer me to, right? You, you, everybody's gotten that, right? Whether they're selling Cutco knives, insurance or IT for that matter. Ask the question. If they like you and they have some respect for you, they want to see you succeed. So all the CIOs and CTOs and CSOs and CISOs, every C-level folk, they're in these groups and they have networks. They lean on friends and family, the firm to help guide them. And they want to help you. They really do, believe it or not. These folks need us to succeed. That's how I kind of position it, right? They put their pants on the same way we do every day. So ask your network, hey, do you have three friends or other companies that you think might benefit from what we did for you? It's so simple, but they don't do it. Even my own team, I'm like, when's the last time you asked for a referral? You know, what are you doing? You got to do it, right? Especially if you have a successful project. But they want to help, right? They want to pass this along to their friends, right? That, hey, you know what? David helped me, you know, E plus helped me. Let's get you in over here. So that's huge. And I've made a living off of that, honestly, right? And I'm not that good. I'm not that technical, but, you know, somewhat likable and people want to, you know, they want to help and that's how I do it. So that's, it's invaluable what Randy just said. The network piece to me is huge. And it's like one of those really basic fundamentals, like you're saying in sales, that it's all about the basics. You know, people want, especially in prospecting right now, all the fancy stuff, the videos. And there's a time and place to send a video to someone and all that stuff. And I want to discount that. But if you don't understand, have a basic understanding of the people you're prospecting to and like what they want <laughs> or doing something as simple as asking for referrals. I mean, all of that other stuff is just, you know, that's just cherry on top. I want to ask you, David, leading a sales team, how do you think about, you know, as a leader imparting this, you know, kind of knowledge onto your team or as a rep educating yourself on 
like a CIO and like their day to day, like how does the person really learn and get in tune with what some of the stuff that Randy's sharing? So I have meetings every twice a month. I have a Monday, you know, I used to do it once a week and the, you know, I, I was a rep and I can't, couldn't stand that meeting, right? You're trying to close business. It's the same stuff you're talking about. So I changed it to, you know, being on that side of the house, you know, twice a month and they're an hour meeting and we, talk the numbers very quickly, right? Because I need numbers. I talk, you know, it's all in CRM at this point, or I call them individually. I know what's going on, but I invite somebody like Randy to the call or somebody in my network to talk to these folks. I Folks don't do it. I don't get it, right? And I tell my, my peers to do this all the time. Like I've had Randy one of my calls before. I've had people that have written in the book on my call. I, I ask my reps if they have a great customer they want to bring on the call because these people want to share the right way to do things, right? That's why we did this. He wants to help the world of salespeople become better, right? He doesn't want to get these annoying 50 calls every day, although I think he finds them entertaining and he, he gets chuckles out of them. But um, I think he really wants to help. That's why we did this, right? So I try to have somebody who gets calls every day and who's in an IT leadership position to get on my call and educate the reps about what to do and not to do. I think out of all the things I do to my team, that's the one thing they find the most beneficial voice of the customer, so to speak. Well, and you have major pull as the sales leader at an organization to be able to make that happen. Oh man, what better way than to bring someone like Randy and just do like basic fireside chat where you're kind of facilitating a conversation and Randy can say things like, yeah, I got these emails this week and here's what really stuck out to me in a bad way. Yeah. yeah. And I see so many companies that, and the companies that I've worked for in the past, Call them, call them, tell them this, tell them that we can't keep the price for until the end of the month. And they don't, the price is going to double by the end of the month. I always used to say that when I was a rep to the manager, I'd say, you know what? You call them and tell them it. I'm not burning my bridge and my relationship. I've spent three years marinating this partnership and getting to know this person, you know, on a personal level for that matter. You call them because you don't care right? You don't care. You do it. So, and then, you know, then it's a different world when you, you take that approach, right? Because, oh, no, no, I'm not, I don't want to get involved in that. So, you know, don't do something that you, you know, as a rep that your manager shoving down your throat, don't do it. Tell them no, right? Because, you know, let them do it. You want, you want to, you want to burn a bridge? You know what? I got to sell this guy at the next company I'm at. You do it. So, uh, and that's just a, a couple tidbits there. So. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Randy, what are some of the conversations that happen behind the scenes? So for example, what are some of the examples that are similar to you? I think I read this in the book where your assistant gets a call and this person says they're your cousin or whatever. And then you talk to your assistant and are like, uh, dude, what the hell is that person's problem? Like, who is this? Never like they're blacklisted, et cetera, et cetera. Um, what are some of the behind the scenes stuff that happened between you and the team around you? that a rep isn't pervy to, that would be really good for them to understand. So just make sure. And the, so the team meaning sort of the technology sort of decision maker team um, or really the gatekeeper team, if you will. Uh, either, both would be really great. Just some of the behind the scenes stuff that you say about salespeople behind their back, or people <laughs> that prospect to you behind the, Hey, you don't got to mention any names, of course. Uh, uh, so I guess first, like, you know, I have a pretty good memory. I remember everyone I talk to mm -hmm. and I get plenty, you know, once a week, you know, you, you, there'll be a, a couple of these uh, sort of things that get through to me um, because people figure out the email address or whatever and just, and um, 
you know, they get through and they'll be like, oh yeah, you know, it's been a, you know, we haven't spoken in a, you know, in since Q or whatever. It's been several quarters since we've spoken, want to follow back up with you. And I've never met with them. So that extension, my EA and I are very tightly integrated. So she's an extension of me. And, you know, actually she sits right outside my office and I actually hear some of these calls that come in when I'm sort of tuned in and my door's open and, uh, and like, Right. And so she's a really skilled professional at, you know, how to navigate. And especially sometimes people get extremely aggressive, which is the, what I have to say, I can only tell to Randy. So she's always sort of calm and disarms and the like. Um, but just saying, when those people are rude like that, you know, we have a voicemail box that they get dropped into that never gets checked. So, you know, she'll come in and she'll joke about some of those things often. To, and also, so people will call 10 times in a row. They'll call the same number, call and over and over if they go go to voicemail or if they get her, they'll hang up and call back. So, I mean, we joke about it. It's part of the game. She knows her role is to protect my capacity and to make sure only the right things are getting through. And I'll tell you what, there's no cold call that's getting through. It's not happening. The only things that are coming through my day is booked. So then I'll just, you know, kind of time back some of the examples to these conversations. I will also get, which I chuckle over a little bit, is there's the sales rep who says, I'm going to be the one who calls him, leaves a voicemail, and sends an email at 10.15 on Saturday night. So I'm going to be differentiated. So I'm going to be the first email he hears and sees on Monday morning. First, CIO's jobs are 24 by 7 because we run technology that whether you're in healthcare or an e-commerce front end, you need to know what's happening. So we're tuned in. So when we get that email and our phone buzzes at 10.15 on Saturday night, it's going to buzz and we're going to hear it. And let me tell you, <laughs> when you're that person who wants to be the differentiated one and you're annoying me at 10.30 on Saturday night and you think that's the differentiator, I'm telling you, you're going right to the bottom of the pile. I have no interest. Because also, you think you're clever. There's clever like you times 10. So you got 10 people who all think they're differentiated. I'm going to be the one who calls at 6.30 on Sunday morning. So there's a ton of this stuff. And it's really, so we know we put on the flak jackets, we joke about them. It's part of the process and the like, but we love the, you know, the ones that will call into the CEO's office, they'll get an EA at the CEO's office and they'll get to say, oh no, you need to speak to Randy and -and so-and-so department. And they get the referral and they show up basically weaponizing that and are very aggressive and saying, I have been referred by the CEO. And we just, we chuckle over them. It's our discretion as to how we operate. And people that are rude don't, don't, don't succeed in having any access whatsoever. So, and some folks, you know, joke around and they'll demand, uh, or she'll, naive will refer and say, it's so-and-so has got the responsibility for that. I'm happy to share a message with them if you'd like your information. And people refuse and they demand they want to be referred directly. So, you know, my team, they also go through the same thing because if you're out on LinkedIn, they're hunting you down. They're hunting you down. They're hunting you down. And the uh, best we can do is smile and do what we can to sort of share our nuggets to hopefully transform some percentage of people to sort of change the burden that we're all experiencing. Jason, if I could just throw in a, just a quick tidbit. I, same way as referrals, getting to know the admins and the EAs of these folks. It's, and there's a chapter in the book. And I think Randy's EA and some other EAs have contributed. You got to make these folks your friends, right? Just be nice, be kind, kill them with kindness. You know, remember their birthday, right? You know, with the social media, you can always find something that that interests them. 
right? Randy's not going to open a FedEx package that you send them for some tchotchke giveaway that's going to go in the garbage, but the EA might, right? Because they're not used to getting that type of stuff, right? Or, But they are really the folks, like he said, they'll squeeze you in for that 15 minutes that they like you. And another thing I was going to say, what's happening these days with COVID is that a lot of phones are going right to folks's, like right to their cell phone. So reps I'm finding are getting these people on the phone a lot more frequently than they have in the past because they're just getting forwarded. And what happens is I've heard it a couple of times, the CIO picks up and the reps expecting a voicemail. They don't know what to say. They, they kind of almost panic because they don't have their spiel down. They're just attuned to getting the voicemail. And they're like, uh, 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 uh. so if you are prospecting and you do happen, have your story ready to go. <laughs> That's my point, because there's a lot more success going on with getting somebody to pick up the phone than there usually has been in the last 12 months. So that's a great, but just on the contact, I'll tell you, there's just uh, an example, right? So my EA, right? Yeah, she controls my calendar, right? And she's managing it. She knows who I'm meeting. She knows why I'm meeting with those individuals. One of the things that I find that is, that is the most egregious and offensive thing that people do is they know your email address and they send calendar invites for meetings and webinars directly to your calendar and they show up and they pop up. And how dare you drop something directly on my calendar? And they think they're clever in doing so. And uh, it doesn't work. And every CIO you talk to will find that so offensive. I've done that. I've done that many times, Jason. (laughs) So it doesn't work. (laughs) I've tried it. (laughs) That tactic always felt so dirty because, you know, I run a tiny company, man. It's me and I have a couple virtual assistants. I do all the consulting and the coaching and the training and I don't like it when people put stuff on my calendar or use my calendar link that they got access to one time and just book a time for us to talk with no context. Yeah, it seems so obvious, but this is a tactic I see like rampant in a lot of companies still. They'll send out those blind calendar invites and I'm like, what you're going to do is create an environment where Outlook and Google Calendar are going to create some sort of mechanism where you can't do that anymore. And it's going to be even harder for the people that do this stuff right to actually get through. That's, that's yep. so true. We're killing it for everybody else. There's a couple of just funny other examples of like every day I get the invitation to the exclusive webinar <laughs> constantly. At the end of the week, I, I got to go back and count off as to how many exclusive webinars I've been invited to. Invite only session. I mean, the you, all of the sort of you know noise that you create around it, the more exclusive that you tell me it is, the less exclusive it is. And it's amazing. And that's what really at the end of the day sort of drove us to say we, we need to share these sort of insights because it's tough out there, I'm sure, to sell, but you're not doing yourself any favors in the way the world is constructed and the way you're behaving. Yeah. I got a couple more questions. This has been so insightful. I think it's really important. Uh, one thing that I talk a lot about is I don't design any products, but I know like a big part of design thinking is putting yourself in the shoes of the people that use the product, right? This empathy is like step number one. So I think a lot about what the user experience is like on the receiving end of your prospecting. So I'm curious, uh, Randy, like, do you check your own inbox? Does your assistant go through it? Like, how does that part, does she triage it for you? Like how, who checks the emails and, and what happens like if an email sticks out, what happens after that? So primarily, I operate kind of on, there's the internal sort of the network of people that I work with email address. And then there's sort of a public facing email address. Mm. So my EA, you know, runs the public facing one. She runs, she triages and anything feels real. She'll forward that over to, to my other one. 
And again, I told you there's clever folks that figure out somehow, sometimes you end up on a list where clever folks figure it out. And they feel like once they've got that email address, they've got not only the right to email it, but the absolute urgency to email right away. So she triages and will will address things. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm managing my own email. I respond. It's a, it's a business tool that's used. And right, it's a daily part of operations. And if you choose to abuse it, it's going to align with the reputation of the company. So not just sales reps or sales managers or chief sales officers, CEOs, you need to recognize your brand is being tarnished by the behaviors. And I'm sure some percentage of companies just don't care from that standpoint because there's enough customer turnover and reps can turn over from that standpoint, but it does nothing but tarnish the brand. And when a phone call comes into your cell phone from a number you don't recognize, what do you do? I don't answer. That's first of all. So you don't answer it? Absolutely not. No way. You have the voicemails forwarded or transcribed in some sort of way, or do they just hit your phone and you have to listen to them? Like, what's that part? Of uh, no, I mean, they're they're transcribed, so you can see right away. But, you know, tons of times, right? I mean, people, for me, I mean, the cell phone is private. Now, occasionally somebody's figured out, I don't know how, when they lock down and they get your cell phone number and they call and they can be relentless and they don't care and they don't care about the relationship. It's all about a transaction. Let me tell you. You're not going near a transaction when you behave this way. It doesn't matter. But we know it's 90% of the folks are sort of operating on the wrong side of the uh, sort of the, the equation here. I think it's important for people to understand what people do when they receive our stuff, because we don't get to see that as a sales rep. So I think that was a really good insight there. And I know we got to go in a couple of minutes. So David, I got one more question for you. Sure. If you could go back in time and give yourself advice you know, to uh, maybe second or third year in your selling, you know, to these folks, knowing what you know now, what advice would you give yourself? Mm. Yeah, it's a good question. Gosh. Uh, try to learn something new every day, right? Especially if you're pigeonholed into, into a, uh, a vertical, so to speak, right? If you're selling financial services or healthcare or manufacturing, know that business. I did myself a disservice, right? Not doing a great job of that. I'm not the smartest guy in the world. I don't like to study. I didn't love school, right? But I would say it's, and I do preach this, it's a marathon, right? You have to, especially in the, you know, in the market we're in, in Philadelphia, everybody knows everybody, right? And it's like that in a lot of towns, right? When, with IT, these folks all know each other. And if you're a jerk off, it's going to spread and people know about it. And I've seen it firsthand, right? I, a couple reps, I won't name the company, but they just got this target on their head. Like that guy's, excuse my French, an asshole. And then and it runs rampant through the, the whole technology world in that town. So just be kind, be empathetic of what folks like Randy are dealing with on a daily basis. Understand their thinking. Don't annoy the crap out of them. Be thoughtful, be human, and just know it's a long haul. And you're going to be, if you're going to stay in sales, which I think is the greatest job in the world, because you set your own calendar, you have some some freedom in it if you're successful and doing everything the right way. You want to keep these relationships from the time in your early 20s to the time you retire. And those people that you're calling on in your 20s, they're going to move with you along the way. And I've seen it firsthand, right? They're going to, I said it before, they're going to start out as administrators and they're at some point, they're going to be CIOs and CEOs for that matter. 
So maintain those relationships and just know that you can't sell them every time you go to a different company because that widget's not going to fit what they need. So just be patient, keep their friendship, keep in touch, but don't bother them until, you know, don't try to square peg in a round hole. I see it happen all the time. Just be patient and it will, it will uh, pay dividends in the, in the future. So that's my advice. Great advice. Well, I could talk to you guys for probably another two hours about this, but, uh, I thank you so much for coming on. Uh, where can people go to learn more about what you guys are doing with the book and where can they grab the book and all that good stuff before you take off? Yeah, sure. I appreciate that, Jason. So all you have to do is go to the website. It's uh, sellingtothecio.com. You'll see uh, right on, it's pretty, you know, it's just, this is what this is what it looks like. The book is called No, I Don't Have 15 Minutes to Chat. It's on Amazon and uh, it, you know, the podcasts are there. All the content that you need is uh, right there at sellingtothecio.com. So uh, we really appreciate the opportunity and get the chance to speak to you. That was a really fun episode. David and Ray really brought it with that one. One of my biggest takeaways that was kind of interesting is they talked a lot about this like triple touch thing that I recommend a lot. You know, this call, leave a voicemail, email, you hit up on LinkedIn. And uh, they're not as much a fan of that. You know, like what they're really uh, fans of is this kind of like warm approach. So I think there's interesting ways of, you know, kind of looking at this in terms of, hey, do I have something here that's insightful and valuable to this person regardless of if they decide to take a meeting? Because it doesn't matter how you sequence. It doesn't matter what your emails say. If none of it is around this, what would make spending 30 minutes with me valuable and insightful regardless of if I decide to look further into your product and actually do a full-scale demo and all that other stuff? It makes you really think about like how you can answer that question. And that's the biggest thing I took away from this interview. So appreciate you tuning in. I hope this is really helpful for you if you sell into technical folks. It was really helpful for me because a lot of my clients sell into those folks. So thanks for tuning in today. I got one quick favor before you take off. Uh, two things actually. Check out Randy and David's book. No, I don't have 15 minutes to chat. And I would love an honest review and make sure to subscribe to the podcast on wherever you listen to podcasts. It really help us so we can continue getting on great guests and get in front of more people exactly like you. So appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in. And we'll talk to you soon.